With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the weekend review with uh, Celtic Down Under. Uh, thanks Anthony for filling in for me last week uh, when I was uh, unable to take part. Uh, did a good job, try and do a poorer job next time so my job doesn't feel uh, threatened. Thanks for that. Your job's safe, your job is safe John, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> Didn't enjoy it so much now. It's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, um, we're, uh, yeah, the West Australian edition again as always. Uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks, um, but we'll start just uh, just about a catch up. Um, yeah, how was your weekend, Anthony? I had a great weekend, uh, Sean. I've been away for the last four days down uh, south with my mates down in um, Eagle Bay. So I've had a great time, nice and relaxed. So I'm actually, yeah, I was looking forward to doing this today because I sort of had a little bit of time to think about the game, even though mm. I was half cut on Saturday night. But um I can remember what happened just about. So, uh, yeah, no, I had a great time. So I'm, uh, yeah, fit and firing. Paul, did you watch the game at 10pm or did you watch it next day? No, I watched it. I watched it at the time. Um, so sober. So I uh, had a few beers on Friday, had a few beers on Ouch. Sunday, but but no beers on uh, no beers on Saturday. So, yeah, um, pretty tired, actually, after the big night the night before. But, uh, yeah, watched it live and... Uh, well, yeah, we'll get into the nitty gritty. It was, um, but for the result, it was a pretty entertaining game actually. If you, if you were a neutral, I guess you'd probably have enjoyed it. Yeah, that's that's one way to look Maybe. at it, right? Yeah, we had. I had my I had a game. I wasn't drinking on Saturday either because I had a game on Sunday, which we lost one 0 to Forest Field, who had their coach doing the refereeing, so there was never any chance of us winning that really. Uh, real shortage of referees at the moment. Um, I guess most of them are playing. So I think there's about 40 or 50 games didn't have a referee that weekend. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty grim state. So if anyone in WA wants to get some cash, get some refereeing done, I promise I'll be nice to you. I was even nice to the, the coach that was a bit of a tosser at the weekend. Not like, not that he was a tosser, but he, he left really gave us one free kick the whole half. It was like, you know, a Sevco referee. Uh, anyway, we can maybe talk about them later. I'd rather not. Wait but. till you see who's refereeing the cup for the Scottish Cup final. See it. And who's I've the, seen the, it. We'll, yeah. we'll touch on that later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. We can do. Um, right. So let's start by chatting about the, the main event, which was Celtic versus St. Mirren. So St. Mirren came uh, looking for a win because uh, they still had uh, hopes of European qualification, which they, they still do, even after the result. Uh, but now they're kind of relying uh, on Celtic to win the cup to have that chance at the fifth spot of getting into Europe. So they came along, they had a game plan. We changed our starting 11 back to uh, the players that had came been parachuted in at Ibrooks were parachuted back onto the bench uh, and O, uh, uh, Bernabe and Kobayashi. So what did you make of that starting 11, first of all, Paul? And did you think, what did you think of Kobe actually being on the bench? Now, there's a few kind of chats going around about why that was. Was it because he had a shocker uh, against the two Sevco teams, the, the Huns and the Diet Huns? Was it because of the threat of Curtis Main? Or Ange said after the game, or before rather, that it was just to try and get some game time into Awata? Which, what, what do you think? What did you believe was the reason for that change? Oh, look, I think, <laughs> I think probably he was worried about uh, Kobayashi uh, being targeted by Maine. Um, 
that was probably one thing. Uh, his confidence couldn't have been great afterwards. So then you're an argument is, you know, is it more of a confidence dent to be left out? Or are you protecting him a little bit from potentially getting roughed up and, and the confidence dipping even further? So um, he's got players to rotate. He, you know, Iwata's played at centre-back quite regularly um, at Yokohama. So in the face of it, you know, that was an option worth having a look at. He obviously well, didn't sorry. have a great game either. What, what, what you're saying there about targeting Kobayashi, well, Curtis Main came out after the game and said when he seen the team sheet, he decided he was going to target Iwata. So, well, he, well, yeah. So, but but he obviously had to because he's not going to target Starfield, right? So, if he's going to target a centre back with Cameron Vicker, with Cameron Carter Vickers out and and Starfield in, he can only target whoever the other one is. So, if it had been Kobayashi, he'd have targeted him. With it being Awata, he targeted him. So, um, it was a bit. Dis- I thought it was a bit disappointing. I thought Awata would have stood up a bit stronger to him. He's a bit more of. You know, he he's, he looks like a stronger boy. He looks more physical. Um, uh, it didn't start well, and obviously, you know, then that maybe rattles your confidence a little bit. And May would have got a fair amount of confidence from the success he had early on, and and he basically just continued to to to, to play his game, which is to try and rough up opponents and and get them rattled basically. And and to be fair, it worked. And on another day, he could have, it's just as well he isn't a great striker. Like he does the bullying thing well and he throws his, his weight about physically. It's just as well he's not a brilliant striker. Otherwise he'd have helped himself to four or five. So he had the chances to do so and he should have probably come away at least a hat trick. Um, so we probably got off a bit lightly there. But yeah, I th- look, I, I think Ange is probably playing a bit of political game saying he's got a squad to rotate. There's a bit of truth in that. But I think... I think with some of the decisions, Bernabe getting left out, Kobayashi getting left out, I think there's also a bit of a shot across the bows there to say, you know, you got a chance in a big game, albeit with not much at stake really, and and you kind of blew it. So you know, he he can be ruthless like that. And I think if there was a lot of people talking about just putting the same team back out again, give them a chance to redeem themselves. Does if you do that, then I can see the argument for that. But if you do that, there's like zero consequences for poor performance and. I think we know with Ange by now that there is consequence with with poor performance, um, and I think that was his way of of basically, you know, saying the standards are higher than that. And he mentioned that in his post match press conference after the after the derby. He said, you know, the standards are set by the club here, not by me, not by the fans. It's like the club as a whole expects a certain level of performance in every game, and we didn't meet it. So, uh, yeah, I think predominantly it's because of performance. That's the main reason. But he's maybe yeah. protecting Kobayashi a little bit by by saying, "Yeah, it's uh, it, it's to rotate the squad, and because we've got other players available." Yeah, and we've got uh, Dan, Damien, uh, Mick in the comments saying, in terms of the rotation, uh, Benjamin Seagrass deserves a short. Uh, was he restored to the bench yet? He's been out injured for a long time, so I'm not really sure about that one. To be honest, uh, was it being on the bench? Being on, being on the bench after his new three-year contract, which again, that's probably more of a topic for the Tuesday and Wednesday boys to dissect. Um, but yeah, I don't think anyone was surprised that Owen Bernabe going out uh, after Ibrooks. And to be honest, there was nobody else really to come in and replace Ralston. Um, but before we start touching talk, on uh, individual players, um, we'll talk about overall performance. So bef- after the game, uh, Callum McGregor came out and he said that. He was really annoyed with the first half, but he was happy with the second half. Did you feel the same way as the captain, Anthony? What was your thoughts on the overall Celtic performance, uh, half by half? Yeah, the first half was definitely typified by a lack of um, well, lack of forward press. So I kind of felt the midfield in particular, but I, basically the front, you know, the front players as well. There just wasn't enough intensity when the ball back i kind of feel that um stephen robbins is probably the one manager that's probably figured us out to a certain degree um i mean that's basically you know they beat us 2-0 at their park earlier in the season um they were you know probably unlucky not to get a, a win last uh, on on saturday night and before the sending off the last time we played them away you know they were well in the game and we were well off at that day as well when the day we wore the gray strip um and then the sending off sort of changed the the dynamic of that game so you'd have to say three out of the four games or two and a half of the, the four games he's definitely had our number and they've definitely been our bogey team i would think this season um so I with think that the only mind, time we've been comfortable yep. against them was when they were down to 10 men i think two games they had a red card yeah 
So I I I I do, I do think that like you know they've given us they're pro- domestically probably given us some of you know definitely the, the toughest games. Argue you know obviously Sevco or not, but um, we that on top of the fact that you know we're not playing well. We, you know we haven't really had a great performance probably until we stopped Hearts three 0 in the the League Cup. Um, and yeah, you've got that plus the whole. It's near the end of the season. There's nothing to play for in the sense that the league is wrapped up and it's won, and we're talking about a cup final in, in two weeks' time. So there's a lot of factors at play, and it's very hard to unpack exactly why the performances have been, you know, not up to scratch. On top of that, you know, you've got you know, we're missing Cameron Carter Vickers, and our defense just seems to get very shaky very quickly when he's not playing. Um, I was thinking back to early in the season when he was missing, and Joe Hart just looks like a different goalkeeper when CCV's not playing compared to when he is playing. Um, and, you know, he, he, you know, Hart did that again. He parried one out to their right back who should have should have scored. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> pretty soft for the first goal as well. Um, uh, so even that, you know, we score a really good equaliser. Um, that we'll, we'll touch on that a bit, bit later on. But second half, I kind of felt the subs were probably coming on ten minutes too late. I would have, I would have made the changes around that 55, 60 minute mark, but they didn't come on till seventy one minutes. I felt the subs did make a difference this week. Last week they, they had no impact whatsoever against the Huns, but this week they did. Our intensity and our press came back. We got the equaliser, and then it was all just a little bit too little, too late in terms of getting a winner. But I just kind of felt that had that change been made a little bit sooner. Um, that may have sparked us and maybe got us across the line. Not that I def- definitely think we deserve to win the game. Uh, I think a draw was probably the fair result. Um, but in saying that, you know, you, Curtis Main must be having nightmares because he's never going to get a better chance to score a hat-trick, let alone a hat-trick against Celtic at Celtic Park because those chances um, were... <laughs> he scored the, I think he scored the hard ones. I thought that there, was, there was easier ones that he missed um, compared mm-hmm. to the hard ones. Yeah, and uh, it would have been the first uh, hat-trick at Celtic Park domestically since 1983, I think, so 40 years. I'm not sure who that last player was, but that was a stat that was uh, going around. Uh, in terms of our commenters on the performance, uh, Kevin Mullen, who's a not name I recognise. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. Uh, really poor performance. Need to get the finger out for cup final, but an Ange we trust uh, treble coming home. Uh, Kaiser saying the forward press has dropped off in the last few weeks. Spot on comment. And that's again something that Ange mentioned in his post-match presser. He specifically mentioned that our forward press isn't where it should be. Uh, Mahesh is commenting saying uh, Celtic played 332 back passes, where St. Mirren had 235 total passes. So his contention is it's just negative play, uh, not creative enough. when you look at the stats for the game, they're quite surprising. What's not surprising is 77% possession. That's just our style of play, and St. Mirren's is not as very direct. You wouldn't really expect them to have too much. I was surprised to see we had 26 shots. Uh, I don't remember there being that many. I could maybe pull up in my head about five or six actual shots that were of any note, uh, not 26. Uh, St. Mirren had 12, and again, there was a one point an hour into the game where I'd text my dad saying, St. Mirren should be 5-1 up here. Like, the chances that they had were quality chances, which again makes the XG stat even more surprising, which has us at 2.83 to St. Mirren 1.19. Because I honestly thought St. Mirren should be multiple goals ahead at one point in that game in the second half. Um, I was quite surprised that we were still in it at that point. And, and to the point of uh, the kind of forward press, we only had four fouls, which was again the same as last week uh, against Sevco. So we're not committing fouls like we usually do. Uh, and again, not people normally complain that we're conceding too many fouls when we're the attacking team. But I think those stats do show a drop-off in pressure uh, just in terms of the lack of fouls uh, being committed. Um, Paul, do you want to talk about the overall game as well? What's your What was your take on it? Yeah, look, um, on the stats, just while we've got them, I saw a different, a different mix on that, but it was still 21 shots from us. Mm-hmm. And the body and stat on that was only six on target. So um, that, that shows, you know, you're surprised it's that amount. I imagine that some of those were, you know, blocked from reasonably far out or not never really a threat so it's a bit of fluff to the you know fluff is up the you know 
fluffs up the stats a wee bit. Um, I'll look, overall, we didn't start great, obviously, and lost the early goal. Um, we then get back on track pretty quickly and score, a, score an absolute cracker. Um, and then... No sooner have we, you know, and you think from there you'll, you know, we'll push on and 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 sort of do what we usually do and dominate the game and 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 we'll get a result, you know, get our rewards over time. We didn't. We made you know first goal's pretty much an absolute slapstick, and the second one's probably even worse. Um, and then yeah, you just give them the opportunity to have their tails up. They had other chances, um, and then we, you know, we we do look better second half, but we we sort of huff and puff and. I just felt we we lost some composure, um, and and a bit like the last game, you know, I think it was described as frantic and you know desperate at times, and we just similar. Like, obviously, Carl eventually, you know, showed some composure, and I don't know what they were doing. He should have been closed down. I would have thought there was enough player, you know, they've got enough players behind the ball, and, and nobody presses him, and he just strolls in, and he's he's a great strike as well. But um, again, from there, like you think, oh, well, we're going to kick on, and we'll just absolutely pummel them for the remainder of the game and and it not, never really eventuates either so um I look it just had that end of season feel to it i think you know there's a bit of commentary around that oh no it's you know it's a bit a bit disappointing or it's a bit of a trend that we're you know poor in two games back to back but you know i've got some sympathy for the squad because they've been absolutely relentless all year and every time they've been asked to go on and win again and the pressure is up they just continue to put in big performances expend loads of energy it, like it must be hard to get yourself back up when you know really there's only one game left there's only one game that actually means anything that, and that's the cup final now i get the argument that you know it's bit, maybe a bit worrying if you take your foot off the gas can you get your foot back on the gas for the final but you know i i would expect i think this week's going to be a bit of a, a weird game like midweek away Again, not much in it for us. Um, Hibs will be bang up for it. You know, they need they need the points more than we do. So it'd be, be interesting to see how that is. I imagine we'll probably rotate the team again, but come come the last game of the season, flag day, sorry, presentation day, crowd will be bang up for it, absolutely rammed. Every seat will be taken for her, you know, which isn't always the case in the home games. Um and and you would expect he'll put out a strong team that he'll be probably expecting to start the cup final the following week or pretty close to it. So you would think that they would be bang up for that performance, and you'd expect that game to to, to deliver a performance that's worthy of you know receiving the trophy in the last day of the season. So I'm relatively optimistic that the performances will come back in that game and, and we'll be able to go into the cup final flying. But I, I've got some sympathy for the, for you know overall that the drop off, but. Equally, it is to Anthony's earlier point. We've always said, you know, and we're not, you know, a shining light of you know, originality with this, but that Cameron Carter is, is is massive and, you know, never really drops below, you know, nine or eight out of 10. It's becoming abundantly clear if if it wasn't already how important he is to that team. And and also, Alistair Johnson to some degree, because he's rock solid as a defender as well. Forget what else he does going forward. He's, he those so that's you know half your defense is gone and we just look so shaky and and look you know tommy's not here tonight but he'd probably say look some of those players have you know have it takes a while to get up to speed etc etc and he's right ralph has not played a lot of football and um, a has not played center back for you know probably four or five six months seven months at least um and he hasn't played a ton of games either so but you'd kind of expect those players that are being given an opportunity now to to be kicking on and, and and showing a bit more urgency than seems to be the case. Okay. Um, yeah. Good points there. A lot covered. Um, Sorry, and I've just seen Michael has sort of made a comment to pretty much mirror what I've just said. Yeah, you'd think the French players would be busting a gut to get into the team for the final, which, and look, like Ange <coughs> said that his comments were they shouldn't even be thinking about the final, so you can take that out uh, both ways in a sense um, there was a couple of comments about the the stats we were running through uh, Michael Ross is uh, taking the, the mickey out of it uh, Andrew raised his eyebrows twice in the first half compared to five times in the second half so uh, he's, he's not convinced by the stats but again you've touched on Paul that it's not just stats it's the eye test of there just seem to be lacking 
there's something lacking there. Uh, you, you know, you could look at it and say, yeah, they're running about and putting in effort, but there's a kind of lack of intensity and urgency and, and focus in these games where we'd have been scoring a last-minute winner. We're now drawn 2-2 to St. Mirren or 1-1 with Motherwell, where we'd have found the way earlier in the season. Um, again, Mahesh, if momentum data was an exact match for goals, Celtic score 6, St. Mirren score 4. That would be true Ange ball football uh anthony i'd like to start uh kind of analyzing the goals and and we, we kind of talked a little bit beforehand about apportioning blame would you like to uh have a crack at the, the first curtis main goal four minutes into the game oh absolutely sean um well first thing that got spoke about in the group chat when we were watching the game live was communication because um there didn't seem to be much of that between uh anthony ralston and um awata um clearly that was a water's ball all day long <clears throat> the ball comes across but ralston decides to try and get a a thigh on it or i don't know what he's trying to do but he, you know just again lack of communication um a water not used to playing center half he's you know he's apparently played it for his japanese club um questionable decision to put him in at center half um in scotland um so, yeah, so they get in each other's roads. The ball comes across. Curtis Main then sort of drags it back, which sort of sells Ralph's a bit of a dummy. Awata's not close enough to put in any sort of effective block or challenge. He shoots just wide of Joe Hart, and uh, Joe Hart bits soft on the, the dive to his left, and it gets in, sneaks in the back of the net, and that's 1-0 to St. Martin. Um I think Ralph's got to probably shoulder the, the, the bulk of the blame there because he's... He shouldn't be going for that ball, but then equally Awata for not communicating or telling him that he's going for it. Uh, and then I thought Joe Hart was pretty soft, so you can sort of apportion a percentage of blame between the three of them. But um, and ultimately, it's a big hoof up the park. Trevor Carson's just went route one, uh, and we have not dealt with it at all. And um, if we can't deal with route one, then it's going to be, yeah, you, you, you're going to struggle against some teams, especially at Celtic Park, because that's really the the out ball for teams when they come to, to players. So, um, yeah, really need to do better. And I guess it highlights AJ missing. Um, so I don't think, you know, you would think he would make that mistake. And then again, CCV, he, you know, <laughs> he would just take out Anthony Ralston and the ball. Um, so, uh, and, and Curtis main. Um, so yeah, so I think it just highlights, um, substitute players playing in that position and a lack of, um, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> A lack of um, familiarity with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually so Kaiser is saying first goal Ralston uh, is at fault for me as a I play defence quite a lot and to me that's Awata's fault. I'm actually going to say it's ninety percent Awata's fault. He should absolutely not be running out to that position uh, to try and take over Anthony Ralston's job for him uh, because in doing so he's absolutely left Curtis Main completely on his own and then the ball breaks to Curtis Main. Like, you know, fair enough to get back in time, but not effectively because Iwata has got no challenge on him prior to the ball hitting the net and Ralston is running back so fast that he just gets turned easily. So, Paul, who did you think? I don't, oh, sorry, yeah. I, don't have an, I don't have an issue with Iwata going for it though, Sean. I just think that he needs to tell everyone that he was going for it. I think that, that for me, is, as play, I used to play centre half, that for me, if you're going to come for it, you let everyone know that you're coming for it. And I don't I think that don't, happened. And, don't think so. it was on. That, I don't think it was well, on. No, I think it absolutely was on. Like, and and uh, to me, I've played fullback as well. So I've played pretty much every position and across most parts of the pitch. To be honest, at some point, a kid or kid or adult. But Ralston can. Ralston's not blind to it, right? He's running back towards goal. He can see where Awata is. If he's blind, like if he's not got Awata in his eye line, yeah, it's. I'm not giving Ralston too much blame, but he is. He's running right back. He can see Awata coming across him. He's got no business. Because he's got no business doing that because the water's coming forward and the worst he can do is just pump it out for a throw or hoof it back up the park if he wants to be safety first. What's Ralston doing? Like, you know, a flying karate kick clearance back towards goal. It's it's just hopeless, to be honest. Like, he's got no business getting involved there. He's had to get him, contort his body in a, a position to to kick the ball where he's got, I think, probably both feet off the ground, but certainly one. Whereas Watt is just coming across and covering it. He's got like, that's all day long, his ball. Um, I, I'm and then Ralston. And, guys, yeah, no, and then, and then Ralston compounds it by then, yeah, rushing back and getting turned too softly. Watt is, the only, my only grievance with Watt is 
probably he puts the name on it a bit, you know, a bit more clearly and gets Ralston out of the way. But if Ralston's choosing to do that, then you know, I think that's just daft. And then maybe he could press the ball a wee bit quicker after Ralston gets turned softly. But for me, it's Ralston think- by a mile, and then Hart Hart attempt is the only the only thing I can say is maybe he's slightly like unsighted by um by Iwata coming out slowly to press it, but but. But I, I still think he should say it's not exactly a thunderbolt, is it? He should get down quicker than that, and he should he should be stopping that. Now it might break out, and there might be another chance. But between them, the, you know, Watt is not completely uh, faultless. But I think you know, if if Larousse just keeps out of his way, he deals with that simply, and there's no danger whatsoever. There's two things there as well. Played. There's two things there as well, Paul. One is if that CCV coming across is the Rouse and right attempt that same that same move i don't think so so there's a little bit of like lack of confidence there because obviously he's not used to why they play in that position uh and secondly ralston should just be tucking in so like let awada attack it and win it and if he fails then obviously ralston's then turned around he's in a defensive position so for me that's i kind of feel like how that should have played itself out obviously it didn't um but yeah definitely um definitely paul i think um yeah he definitely had every right to go for it awada but um but it just didn't didn't turn out the way it it should have done. So that was that was one nil. Yeah. I, I look. I respect what you guys are saying uh, and the commenters, y'all. I'm absolutely in the minority here, but just to me, I st- I'm still think I'm still saying it's a water, right? Because like I know you're saying, oh, defenders should shout for it and, cl- and clear it out, right? And wipe out everything, right? Uh, to me, that's like 1990s football. Like to me, the a water should be staying in shape, and there shouldn't be any need for communication, right? If Anthony Rawson doesn't touch that ball, it probably bounces out of play. Like he's taken some off that when he's taken that bad touch. So like even if everyone's in possession, that there's probably no danger if everyone's in possession, right? And even if Rousen just leaves it, Iwata can get a press on main. I think Iwata's basically bagged. Are you Are you not just saying that Rousen's like at fault because he kept the ball in? Like I said ninety percent Iwata. I'm not saying Rousen's faultless here. I'm just saying it's ninety percent Iwata's fault. Um, maybe maybe you've talked him back. Maybe I'll go seventy five percent Iwata. But like, um, I'm just saying I don't think Rousen is the is the number to me is the number one culprit here. But I accept that I'm in the minority on, on that position. Um, and, and you see that reflected later in the game. Like people are just. There's a chance the one with Ryan Strain, he has the chance. Uh, the one, uh, one of you guys mentioned earlier, the, the heart palms out and he mm, should score, mm, and mm. that would have made it uh, two one at that point, I think. And uh, mm. again, like in the build up to that goal, Curtis Main is just completely unchallenged, like 25 yards from goal, free header just to knock it on. Like nobody goes near him. Everyone's just like Awata is too scared to go near him. I don't think Awata challenged him for a header the whole game. There's another ch- uh, chance in the second half. Uh, again, Strain puts a cross in, uh, and Curtis Main, one of his two back post headers that he should have scored with. Awata's just nowhere. Like I think Awata was just scared of Curtis Main. Do, do we think play devil's advocate here? Do we think Starfelt should have taken more responsibility and and gone and just picked it, regardless of which setting, gone and just picked him up? Because that's the that's think- the physical battle that he's 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 the one that's capable of winning that and, and not being bullied. So, you know, Ange often talks about once they're set foot over the whitewash, you know, they've got the freedom to, you know, make solutions, you know, get solutions for themselves. To me, you know, Starfelt's comfortable on either side. Awata looks like a player that can pass off either foot as well. So do they not just take a decision to go, well, maybe Starfelt picks up main and then Awata can be the loose one, which would, he's the more comfortable passer anyway. So, I don't know. I I think that there's an argument for saying that's that was the solution to the problem, but obviously it didn't happen on the day. I definitely think we play zonal, so we definitely keep position. So it really the pass between depending on whether he's on the the left side or the right side of the middle, like you know, but, you know. So I think that's how we've always played. So they've obviously tried to play it that way. But you know, I don't say that Ange gets it wrong very often. But Awata's not a center half. I'm sorry, but. They, I saw him going up for some of the headers in the second half against Curtis May. He did not look comfortable in the slightest. Just no even attempt. Like Ralston was getting in the way, at least. He was he was actually putting his body on the line and, and putting Curtis May off a bit. But Awata was very ineffective. And all right, he and we'll talk about our first goal in a second. And he was the one that set that up. But as a defender, that was a that was a boo-boo. Um he, he should have stuck with he should have stuck with Kobashi and, and played him again. I know he, he wasn't great the week before, but I think he learns more by playing again rather than benching him 
and and, and start a Wada. And if a is training the house down, then you put him in the midfield. You, you don't shoehorn players into other positions. So I just kind of think you got that one, got that one wrong. So we're we're absolutely killing this <laughs> our time on this Awata chat. Uh, but and I do want to inject some positivity into it here. So I will say. Uh, one thing that Awata does offer and, and did contribute positively was that he played a, 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 a crucial role, a crucial pass in the build-up to the, the Kyogo goal, uh, which was a real quality goal, Paul, you mentioned that earlier. So Awata gets the pass to Hitati. Hitati takes a quick touch and pass. Again, Kyogo, amazing touch and finish. Um, was that, uh, I think somebody mentioned in our group chat, I hope O is watching. Did you guys, was that, did I imagine that? Or was that? I, that I don't remember seeing it, but yeah. Oh, maybe it was a different group chat. Maybe. Yeah, so well, there was a little bit of positivity. That was a great goal. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, uh, Mar- I, I, can I just make about- a quick point on the goal yeah, on well, that goal? Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. the, the, my like the only add to that, yeah, the, it's a great passing by Iwata. But if you one of the pickup eyes, Kyogo is telling Iwata where he wants it, so he's saying play it into Hatate, and then mm-hmm. obviously Hatate and Hatate and Kyogo have built up this brilliant understanding, and he's. He's told Iwata where to play it. He plays a brilliant ball in, and Hitati's quick enough just to turn it around the corner. And after that, Kyogo's finish is absolutely class. He just gets it out of his feet, and he's just, you know, yeah, it's a great finish. But, but, but that little that little point by Kyogo and the little interaction between the three Japanese players is amazing. There, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a really good, well worked, well worked goal. But it was, it was, it was very cool that Kyogo sort of guided Iwata into where he wanted it, which wasn't for him initially. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely, man. And it, I did. I really enjoyed the goal and the camera angle you get of the Celtic Park. The the camera on the halfway line made it look even. It was one of those goals that just lines up really well with the camera, so it looks even more impressive than it would from from a, the other side of the pitch. Um, which is kind of the thing like when you see Callum McGregor's goal, the, the equalizer. So I'm going to talk about Callum McGregor for a moment. Like the camera angle on that makes it look like oh, the keeper should be saving that all day. But then when you see the kind of behind the goals camera, you're like, okay, that's almost starting outside the post and coming back in the way he's covered that. So Callum McGregor to me is crucial in the, the next two goals, the one that's in mid and score and the one that we equalize. So are we giving him any blame for not getting out? So he's the last man playing Curtis Main onside for the the two the second St. Mirren goal. Are we giving him a hard time for that? And then yeah, yeah. Anthony, go for it. Yeah, no, well, there's two things. One, his header to clear the ball was crap. So he didn't get any power or distance on it. So didn't clear his lines. And then he was too slow to get out. I mean, it, it, it's a bit of an optical illusion. It did look like he, you know, that he was offside, but obviously, you know, VAR shows that he, he was playing them on with the back of his leg. But mm-hmm. he was he was ball watching. And there's a couple of them ball watching. He wasn't the only one. And then Starfelt's weak for the ball that comes back in where Curtis Main ultimately ends up storing as well. So again, bit of blame to go around, but it was just a poor clearance from the captain, and then um, he was a bit—he was a wee bit slow getting out. But unfortunately, whether you're a wee bit slow or not, it was—it was enough to play him on side for the for the goal. But I still thought Starfield, you know, could maybe a bit better challenging as well. He got sort of out muscled and out positioned a bit as well. So not not all you know the captain's fault, but there's definitely, like I said, share of the blame. And again, Joe Hart, you know, again <clears throat> would a better keeper save it. Hard to say, but. Again, just sloppy defending generally overall because there's a few phases of that that goal as well. Like it came in and out a few times, and again, just you got to clear your lines in those situations because um, teams will eventually punish you if you if you don't. And unfortunately for us, that's what happened on <clears throat> happened on uh, Saturday night. Um, and then the flip side is that you know it was a good captain's goal equalised because I mean you know we were at that point as Paul said we were probably starting to get a wee bit ragged in terms of just trying to carve chances out of nowhere but you know he had the composure um, it was a good ball across from Abada and then he's managed to like you say sort of curl it around and get it back in on the corner and and, and get his a point and probably save our blushes to a certain extent um, and I thought McGregor had a good game overall I thought like you know he again very consistent in the midfield you know it was probably a, a 7 out of 10 it wasn't like he's, he's best game but it, you know definitely wasn't his worst and he definitely wasn't the worst on the park either it was just a solid performance from him um but yeah definitely had a bit to do with that goal in my opinion I, yeah, thought, and- I didn't i didn't think he actually played that great to be honest i thought he was much better second half but i thought he was well off at first half like first time at first like and you've seen us a couple of times the you know, last last few weeks but just just slack and I, just loose passing and you just i don't 
you just don't expect that from McGregor. We've talked about that a bit. And so, yeah, I think he was just off it. Yeah, he definitely. And his, his post-match comments kind of covered that on a team basis, but I certainly thought that was him on the front. But yeah, he's got to take a fair amount of blame um, for the headers weak. But they're, they're, they're all a bit, they're all a bit weak. Like O'Reilly doesn't get out after the McGregor he- header to put pressure on. At the very beginning, the first header that comes into the box, Mayer is slow to press that header. Um, and look, I, I've got some sympathy for Starfelt. Obviously, he has come out. As as they all should have, and then he gets caught under it because the ball comes back in, and and if they've all come out in a line, he's offside. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter that he's under under the ball and he's he's been beaten to it because he's mm-hmm. offside. So, um, again, I'd say that's probably about the only um, the I'd say that's about the only fault if it is a fault from Starfelt in the whole game again. So he he was again one of our better performers and certainly our best defender on the day. And I'm absolutely taking the same position as you guys here. When I watch that goal back, like I'm really struggling to pinpoint blame. It is so spread around. Like you're just talking about Starfield, like running off his man. You're talking about like the weak header out. You're talking about not closing and down for the ball back into the box. You're talking about um, uh, Cal McGregor, not in particular, uh, being the last man. Like it is one of those, is a team failing that goal. And you could start like share it around four or five players. Uh, is are we all in agreement on that one? Yes, yeah, it's, it's just yeah. a poor team goal to lose. And it's just sloppy, and it's not the first time. And but as I say, it's that kind of weird end of season lull malaise. where malaise doesn't you know. So got gone yourselves not having it. He's saying we're uh, we'd, we're armchair warriors and. Uh, uh, no, I will point out. I reckon that I reckon that might be I reckon that might be aimed at some of the other commentators rather than than us specifically. But um, he uh, might, he say, might we, be. We've able all to, played uh, played in defence, so I think we are somewhat uh, qualified at a lower level to comment on this. But uh, it would all be very boring if we all just waved like you know absolved everyone of blame for everything and whatever. But um, we're here to give an opinion, like whether people like it or not. So I'll stand by so mine tonight. Again, to inject some optimism into it and to add some bigger picture perspective, um, Cal McGregor's goal was our 107th league goal of the season, which with two games to left, uh, two games left is uh, our new record for the most goals scored uh, in a season by any team in the top flight. Uh, not quite, sorry, in the Premiership era. I believe there was a, a record set by the Lisbon Lions of 115. Uh, so unless we absolutely smash... Um, Hibs and Aberdeen, I don't think we're going to beat that, but certainly uh, a premiership record uh, of number of goals scored, taking over Brendan Rodgers' uh, Invincibles with 106. Do we care? Is that some sucker, uh, some succour to the the pain of that performance and dropping points? We also maintained the Ange's domestic unbeaten streak at Celtic Park. He's never lost the game uh, domestically at Celtic Park. Um, do we care about these records, Anthony? I personally, I don't. Um, I just think this, like, sort of campaign. We got the we got the league wrapped up against Hearts at Tyne Castle. Performance the last couple of weeks haven't been as great. Um, the pedal was probably lifted off the accelerator to a certain extent. But when you actually look at our squad as it is currently, we are relying on the same group of players week in week out. So <clears throat> basically, twenty two players have played more than five games or five appearances for us this season. So, and then if you break it down even further, only 17 of those have 20 appearances or more. So basically you're relying on the same seven, like, you know, 17 players, give or take, week in, week out. So we've really got to try and get some proper depth into the squad because Ange is going to the well with the same bunch of players, week in, week out. We have been incredibly fortunate with injuries this season, I feel, um we we haven't really had many we've had a, a couple like you know cow missed a little bit and ccv missed a little bit but for the most part we've had first choice players available for most of the season which is you know fortuitous to, to an extent obviously you, sports science and stuff like that's important um but when you look at the number of players we have out on loan we've got 10 players out on loan and then if you add the lights of um uh mccarthy and obviously Hazard, Welsh, Turnbull, well, Turnbull's participated, but again, he's in his last year of his contract this summer. So again, there's not been a renewal there. You've really got to try and push as many of those players out and then bring in four or five players that will contribute to your campaign 
and all of a sudden you go from 17 players to maybe 23 players and all of a sudden you've got a squad that's capable of not only getting through a whole season but also challenging more in Europe as well because we didn't have any two games a week after Christmas and I think that was a big saving point for us this season because if we had to start playing two games a week I think we'd have been uh, you know a lot more of a a bad situation than, than than we were so sorry I sort of you your question this Sean I sort of answered a different <laughs> yeah. question but I was a point I really wanted to stress and make because I think part of the reason why we're seeing performances like this now is that you know you just the, the same guys had expected just to do it every single week they're not robots and you know I think there's, a, there's definitely a lot of that going on as well at the moment uh, and Ange made that point as well that they're just humans uh we'll try and leave uh so you're absolutely right that um this kind of rotation, like Ibrooks, we had all oh, Kobayashi, Burnaby come in and straight back out. And that's illustrating your point there about, you know, this is, uh, like, and just seeing it as well, What you're, the point you're making here that, that we don't have the same quality and depth, even if we do have, uh, if we do have depth, we would like to have more quality. We just don't have depth. enough players though, Sean. That's the thing. It's not just a matter of that. It's actual physical bodies. I'm not sure about yeah. that. Um, yeah, like I remember, still remember when we played Betis and we had like Liam Shaw coming in first. You know, like, I don't, I think we're not Urugidi starting at right back. I don't think we're in that kind of position, right? It could still be better though. <clears throat> it can always be better, right? That's that's no, no, that's no like it, it definitely can be better, particularly if we, yeah, if we want to be serious about Champions League football. I know that's the topics for the Tuesday and Wednesday crew, but let's be serious. If we really want to give it a shake, we're gonna have to bring in more players and better players it's as simple as that and yeah anyway, i've made my well, point yeah. so I'm like, well yeah look, if, we're, if we're relying on 17 players for the majority of the games and you got 20 in the match day squad i think you can now list nine on the bench or you know close to that you know that's that's that, that quite a few players on every bench that aren't really you know getting much game time so that shows that there isn't at a level of confidence in those players and they're really just making up the numbers as cover. So I agree with you, Adrian. We have gone a little bit off point, but we're coming at a point in the season where it's, you know, that's starting to come into everyone's mind. So, you know, we might as well have a little a little opinion on it as well. Is and I kind of touched on this last week is we've got to when we add anyone to this squad, it's got to be to, to be either a first pick straight out of the, the bat. And that might be hard for people to accept because the squad's done so well and everybody's got their favorites but they've got to be their first picks right now or really competitive with the player that's holding that jersey. So I don't really care if that's Hitate, Kyogo, Jota, Hart, CCV, Starfelt, whoever it is, we need to be buying players that are, if not better than those players, and certainly got the potential to be better than those players because that's the only way that the overall squad quality lifts. And yeah, it looks like we've got some money to spend. We should have given the guaranteed you know, Champions League cash and if we want to be serious, Anthony says we've got to go out and spend um, on it on first team quality players. And that will automatically build depth to the squad because some of those players that are currently holding a jersey will potentially be a second choice. Well, look, we're, we're talking from a position of privilege here, you know, the old first world problems in the sense mm-hmm. that last year Anthony Ralston was mooted as a potential player of the year. And the unquestioned. Uh, you know, comeback player of the year kind of thing. But and now we're talking about, well, Ralston's not good enough. We need upgrades. You know, Bernabe, this guy who's supposed to be in the Argentina squad this summer for whatever tour, we're saying he's not good enough. If that's the position we're in, then great. But I do want to stick a pin in that just because uh, that is a Tuesday, Wednesday kind of topic. And I don't really want to uh, take too much uh, of that from them. I do want to start before we uh, kind of cover the other stuff. There's, I do, we'd like to cover some in the midfield and attack. Uh, I'll let you guys kind of pick up who you want to comment on here. For me, O'Reilly was the best midfielder on the day. And it's a, a very different... He has that one deflected shot in the first half. The keeper just just bounces off the keeper's face. And like I think if that chance had gone in, it'd been more of a reflection of kind of O'Reilly's effort and output in the game. Uh, he puts a great ball into the back post for Maeda as well. Maeda should probably do better. And to be honest, I was kind of disappointed with Maeda's overall contribution uh, and Hatati as well was to me a kind of minor influence on the game, even though he does get an assist. Jota has felt kind of disappeared in the second half, even though in the first half he was just kind of trying to do it all himself. So from the midfield three and the wingers, uh, Paul, who, can you give us a comment on some of those players who you think you'd like to comment on there? Yeah, look, I I um 
I think O'Reilly had a decent game. I, I'm going to sort of slightly disagree and say that I think Hatati was at least as as good as him. Um, certainly, sort of first sixty odd minutes. Um, he he to me he's the he was the one really trying to make passes that and we, we often see this. He you know his pass completion rate probably isn't as high as others because he he's willing to try you know um, passes that are you know are a bit more likely to open the door but they're therefore potentially might not might not hit so I, I thought a lot of what was what good did come from us was through Hitati in the first half um but you're right obviously if the O'Reilly deflected chance goes in then it's probably a different game but he you know Hitati had a he had the he had the assist which was great and and then he obviously had that strike second uh, first half as well which which just zipped over the bar when he got a bit of space on the edge of the box. But but generally, I thought he was he was more progressive in terms of his attempts at passing than than the rest of them. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Mieda was disappointing, and, and Jot had some nice touches without actually being, um, you know, too killer on the day. Anthony, I thought Mieda gave a bit of work right. So I think compared to the week before, we're very guilty of not applying much pressure at all. But I think Mieda sort of give a wee bit of that but he's his final ball and that chance at the back stick i mean i admittedly when i saw it live the first time i didn't really it didn't really register with me when i watched the highlights back today i was like oh that's a that's a glaring miss um and he's he's been jelly of that all season it's just sometimes he just lacks that little bit of finesse just that little if he had a bit of jota's um uh sort of uh clutch in that situation he'd be probably be playing for us um, but yeah, um, I just kind of feel he was he he was lacking that. I agree with you, Joe. I was just trying to do too much by himself, and he he, he kept cutting in, looking to have that shot. He did it. He did it at least three or four times where he's looking up, looking up, looking up, and just wasn't getting the space because everyone is, you know, some players were camped in the box. He had nowhere to go. Um, and yeah, I mean, Hugo pops up for his goal. He says it really well. Um, I thought it was okay. Uh, Riley was, yeah, Riley probably flew under the radar for me. I know you sort of put in the comments, um, Sean, when you were doing up the, the list for tonight, so saying, oh, he had a good game. And it's probably in hindsight, yeah, he did. But again, just nothing really that stuck out. You went, oh, he's having a like a, a good mm-hmm. game. It was just a lot of work. And, you know, I think, again, because everyone else wasn't playing that great he's it was more of that rather than him being exceptional and everyone else being good sort of thing but uh yeah, yeah he was unlucky with that shot and but yeah again it's just it was all a bit anonymous really especially in the first half and then like i said i really felt it was the subs that really sort of sparked it into life just everyone was closing and there's a couple of times where it looked like the celtic earlier in the season where like some run got the ball and all of a sudden there was three Celtic players around them. They just coughed up possession. It was like, Oh, where's this been the whole game? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's a bit, a bit hard to sort of sort of put in individual sort of performances, but just all a bit meh really. But again, we've, we've touched on the reasons why we think that is. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, 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 yeah. And probably the, the bottle, the two, the two bottles of wine and the beers and the gin that I had on Saturday probably doesn't help Matt as much either, mm-hmm. but that's, that's a whole other story. Uh, on uh, the spe- <laughs> on the specific subject of Maeda, I, I kind of had an observation that he was doing, and it's it kind of reflective of the whole team. Where there's still a lot of effort, you know, he's still tracking back. You know, he was tracking strain back, but strain was still getting his crosses in. You know, there was two free headers for Curtis Main in the back post in the second half that both came from a, a strain cross. And Maeda both times was tracking strain because this is it's the fullback, it's his man. I'm going to say if that's a cup semi-final against Sevco, he's blocking that cross. And in this case, he's tracking the man back. He's right there close to him, but he's not getting the blocking. That's my that's my contention. That we're a yard or two short in intensity and effort and urgency. Well, I'd say Greg Taylor was that as well, because the, the chances, there was one chance that came across for Curtis Main, the one he missed, the really good like the header he should have scored. Greg Taylor mm-hmm. wasn't close enough. To, to the the diagonal crossing and you know if Greg Taylor's 100 on that he's blocking that for a corner or you know for a throw in sort of thing so again I think that that intensity was lacking across the park you, you can't just single out one player it was it was infectious across the whole the whole team yeah like I say it's just representative that the point I was making was that particular that observation mm-hmm. around my that was representative of the whole team uh, I'd like to um, so we'll come back to the, the 
the main game as we always do. But uh, just for our little sojourn for five to ten minutes, I'd like to cover some other topics. Uh, Paul, let's start with the the what could have even been our, our leading topic tonight, uh, which was uh, the Celtic women. Uh, would you like to cover that and we'll join in and have our comments? Would you like to give us a summary of yeah. what happens? Yeah, yeah. So obviously right to the wire. Um, much more exciting finish to the season in the women's game than it was in the men's. This was obviously wrapped mm-hmm. up some time ago. Um, but yeah, last game of the season, uh, three potential winners of the, of the league. Um, Celtic hosted Hearts uh, at Celtic Park. Record crowd, again, over 15,000 along to that. Um, we had to win and hope results went our way. Uh, Rangers hosted uh, Glasgow City, who were top of the league before going into it. Uh, at Ibrox, uh, Glasgow City basically needed to win. win. If, they, yeah. if, if they won. If we won. If, if we won. Well, yeah, if we won. They, but to, to be absolutely sure, they were already ahead. If they win, they've won the title. That's it. Um, Rangers needed to win and for us to to, to drop points. Um, and a draw would have done us with the win as well. So we got the uh, job done at home. They didn't actually need us to drop points. They only had to win by more than we did. That's right. Okay. Yeah, the goal difference. So it's yeah, yeah they would have that would have worked out for them too. But um, yeah, we got the job done. One two nil. Um, goals from Caitlin Hayes um, and uh, Natasha Flint. One in each half. Um, I think we missed a good number of chances prior to the the, the first one going in on forty three minutes. Um, so it's probably one of those end of the se- end of last day of the season bit of nerves. But we got the job done. Um, it was all square at Ibrox until I think pretty much the last minute or two when um, Glasgow City scored to win to to be up 1-0. And I think there was still time for some late drama um, where Rangers had the ball in the net, but it was it was and that would have obviously done it for us, but unfortunately it was uh, it was chalked off. And as the resident ref, Sean, you've already told us off air that you uh, you think that was the right decision. So, um, yeah, we just unfortunately fell short at the last minute. So Glasgow City wrap up their 15th title in 16 seasons, which is a pretty impressive stat. But given the amount of investment that both Celtic and Rangers uh, have put into the game, I would imagine that, that we'll start to see that swing away over time. But the good news is, despite it being pretty devastating for the girls, um, the good news is that they secure Champions League uh, football by coming second. Um, the uh, the old derby rivals end up in third and there's no Champions League for them. So mm-hmm. whilst it's a disappointing finish, it's it's a good outcome. And we've obviously got the cup final, um, I think, uh, Sunday. Sunday. You so, yeah. so yeah, there's still time for more silverware, um, having obviously won the League Cup previously. I'm pretty sure it's Sunday because our trophy day is Saturday and their cup final is the next day. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Anthony, would you, any praise for the women's team uh, despite uh, the pain of what happened? Well, a couple of things. Um, so obviously, Glasgow City's score make it 1-0 in the next second minute, and then I think Rangers almost equalised after that. So I think word got out to Celtic Park that Rangers had equalised. So obviously everyone got their hopes up, and then they were found out, obviously it got chopped off. So there was that mm-hmm. wee bit of heartbreak, I guess. Um, but when you're relying on other results the last day in the season, you know, that's always a possibility. They did everything they could. I think the support was great as well. I think we, we got just almost shy of 16,000 people in Celtic Park so that was a fantastic achievement and that's now a new record for the women's game in Scotland which is fantastic and that's now the second time that a Glasgow team has won at Ibrox or won a cup at Ibrox which is the Celtic youth team won there a couple of weeks ago and that's now Glasgow City clinched the title at Ibrox as well mm. so at least somebody's winning titles at Ibrox it's certainly not a certainly not Rangers uh, Kaiser's mentioned that uh, love the women's game yesterday the zombies are serial losers at every level uh, I'm not sure if that's a deliberate misspelling of serial but hilarious either way uh, Michael Ross, Greenwall was magnificent make it happen for next season uh, Just we're running out of time but quick thoughts on that, Greenwall, what do you reckon guys? Well we touched on it last week Sean and we're, we're pretty much in agreement but obviously there's issues around um, moving um, long term season ticket holders around and also the uh, hospitality. So um, I think, you know, in an ideal world, yes, it would happen. But when it comes to money in Celtic, not always. Um, and, yeah, you've got that historical legacy piece with, you know, people that have been in the, that, that section of the stand for a very long time. So it's, it'd be a matter of finding equal or better seats elsewhere for them. So I think there's quite a few challenges to make that happen. But, you know, it does look very, very impressive when it's um, when it's when it's going. 
I don't think it'll be next season, but but if they continue to open up Selig Park for the women's game and we continue to see those crowds sort of come in at those numbers, they'll continue to use it as an opportunity to showcase what, what it can look like. So there's a fair amount of internal politics, both as, as Anthony says, both hospitality-wise and sort of long-standing season ticket holders, but I don't think it should be insurmountable. And I think we touched on it last week, like Anthony says, and it's sort of, to me, I think we want to try and do something like the Westfalen at, at Dortmund, where that one end is, you know, it's just a huge spectacle um, and the ultras and fans making it, you know, um, yeah, just just a great sight. So yeah, fingers crossed. Because um, I, I, I also, Ed, we touched on this, uh, you've obviously got two ultra groups now uh, and they're pretty much in opposite corner. Well, oh yeah, there are now, yeah. But, but I think that you obviously sort of green brigade and i think they're called just the, maybe just north, the boys north curve um, there's the boys in north curve as well right yeah so i think north curve is the, they're in with the green red in that corner still i think okay. they're both in that section and oh, then right, the boys okay. are in the opposite corner um next right, to the yeah. uh, jockstein stand um so they're, they're sort of split about as far away from each other as possible so getting them in the same spot would would definitely make um would would definitely make you know a, a better spectacle and and, and kind of a joined up approach to the I guess the chants and singing and all that that comes with the ultras. As long as we uh we don't follow Austin FC and the MLS's lead, they had a we are Groot um post like Tifo at the like in the in the stadium during the week. Obviously some sort of Marvel tie and sellout thing. It's Matthew McConaughey's <laughs> team, so God knows, but whoever go down that road, I think just bin the whole thing, but um yeah, hopefully not. The Emirates Arena at Kerrydale Street, is that what you're talking about? Well, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Um, I guess when we're talking about serial losers, we probably should touch on the, the teams at the bottom of the, the league. Um, no changes, actually, because uh, they all got beat, didn't they? Um, yeah. So Kelly, well, Ross County. The, the and changes, United. St. Johnston are now safe, but yes. Well, St. Johnston are safe, yep. But uh, Winston, St. Johnston, Motherwell, Livingston, Livingston, probably their first win in about five or six games, I reckon. Um, so, yeah, so um, nothing changes with two games to play. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm not fancying Denis United at the moment. And on top of that, I just wanted to say that Partick Thistle are looking pretty good. They're 3-0 up aggregate against their United with one game to play. So they seem to be flying from fourth position and look like they might be the team uh, taking on second bottom. Yeah, and it could be any of those three. Uh, but Dundee United play Kilmarnock on Wednesday and I believe Stephen Fletcher is out for the last two games. Uh, so I think Dundee United are looking pretty good for the drop and it's between Kelly and Ross County, I think, to play to face Partick Thistle. So it should be interesting, especially with that game on Wednesday night. Uh, let's just finish up by circling back to the Celtic St. Mirren game now. There's been weeks in the past where this has just been an absolute foregone conclusion before we even got to it. Uh, and look, to be honest, from our chat so far, I have no idea which way you guys are going to go here. But as always, we'll conclude with our, who did you think was the man of the match in the Celtic Submarin game? So I'll start with you, Anthony. Put you, you have to be the one that sticks your neck out here. I'm going to take the privilege of being last as the host. Who did you think was the man of the match in the Celtic Submarin game? I'm just going to put that to one side just for two seconds, just so I can get a little bit of thinking time because I've been thinking about it the whole podcast and I sort of have an answer for okay, it. Yeah, but yeah, I, just, yeah. I just wanted to say that John Beaton's been announced as the referee for the Scottish Cup final, uh, oh. Graham Stewart and Gordon Crawford as uh, linesman. And you've got David Dickinson as the fourth official and Stephen McLean on VAR. So, some good fun names. Good fun names. <clears throat> yep. Um, yeah. And then the only other thing I wanted to talk touch on the Scottish Cup was just that Scott Rail has. Uh, running an express service for Inverness Cali fans, but is slugging them £77 return. So um, that's pretty, pretty rough. Um, so, yeah, so probably, you know, they probably need to work that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, but anyway. So with that aside, um, you've convinced me, Sean, I'll go with Matt O'Reilly. Uh, just, oh. um, uh, I... <laughs> I mean, it's probably, I was probably leaning more towards Tal McGregor, but the more I was thinking about that that second goal, I'm thinking, well, he was culpable for that. Matt Riley didn't really put a foot wrong. Um, and like I said, the only thing that probably didn't cap off his performance was uh, was an assist or a goal. But he, yeah, like I said, but slim pickings, to be honest, everyone was run through the whole team in my head. I'm thinking, 
yeah, and you can maybe see maybe Kilgore for that first goal because it was a great finish, but he did he didn't do anything else I can remember after that. So uh, Matt Matt Riley by default. Anyone listening, please put your man in a match in the comments as well. We we love to get those in too. Uh, Paul, who did you uh, think? It's uh, it's not easy, is it? Like it's no. it was a, it was a stretch last week, but it was there was at least one player that was kind of had a good performance. Um, yeah, look, honourable mention to Starfelt. I don't think I, you know, I think he was at minimal fault for for the second goal. And other than that, he was pretty solid all day. But um, he was part of a defence that were were pretty sloppy all around. So he probably just get. But I'm gonna. I know you don't like giving it to players that score goals, but I'm gonna give it to Kyogo for. Uh, yeah, an amazing finish. And, you know, as Anthony says, he maybe doesn't do a whole lot else, but, you know, quite often that isn't the case. His work rate was still phenomenal. Uh, he was one that, you know, his press continued to to, to be good. Um, and, yeah, he 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 absolutely has a, uh, just a brilliant finish. So I will give it to Kyogo. This is wild because in my head I was swaying between two players and you guys have named them both. Um Mahesh is saying, I'm going to say Mahesh does not think it was O'Reilly because his earlier comment was, O'Reilly doesn't stick to his bread and butter, focusing on right side attack. His touches are spread out all over the field, whereas Hatate, smack bang, and his wheelhouse on the left. Maybe I'm being presumptuous, thinking that doesn't uh, he doesn't think he's man of the match for that reason, but uh, that's to me, that's uh, I don't think much of him. Uh, Kaiser saying, yeah, O'Reilly probably edged it for me too. And yeah... Look, Kyogo gets one chance that I can remember anyway and absolutely buries it. So it's tempting to go with that kind of clinical finishing. But for me, yeah, I'm going to give it to Matt O'Reilly. But I think we're, it's very, very close. And I think we're kind of... And it's interesting as well, Starfield's name has come up in every game since CCV's been out, which is something remarkable as well. But yeah, I'm going to edge it. And to give him the... Uh, Vote by majority. I'm going to say Matt O'Reilly was my uh, player of the game. So uh, we're just edging over an hour now. So Anthony, anything you've got written down or any thoughts in your head that you'd like to round up with? Any final thoughts? Any tributes you'd like to give? Any recommendations? Give us your 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 wind up. Um, no, I haven't actually got anything. Sean. I've I managed to work through everything on my uh, on my list. So all I'll say is make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast and our, our YouTube channel, so you can follow us and all the uh, socials above on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, and yeah, get involved. And like I say, the more you like and subscribe to our channels, it grows the channel and means that more Celts can finders and watchers and disagree with our opinions but that's perfectly okay it's a democracy and that's what we like we like a bit of uh particularly when you know we aren't playing well because it's all well and good coming on here when we've won three or four nil and it's all a doddle and it's all smiles and oh great performances but you know when things aren't you know necessarily going as well that's when it, i find it's more interesting and there's, there's more to break down and discuss so happy to have you all coming on board and having having a say Yep. Paul? He's trying to pinch your job again, Sean. That was uh, very host-like, <laughs> I thought. I was, go- I was going to call very it. Very host-like. Just- <laughs> yeah. saving, saving me the effort. I'm, um, I'm going to stick to the theme of the last few weeks and do a music re- uh, recommendation. Uh, I know Johnny does it on the Pot Noodle, and I think Gav started doing it on a Tuesday, so I'll be the resident muser for this group if you want. Um, I've discovered uh, a Scottish uh, guy called Hamish Hawk in the last uh, week or so. Uh, sort of uh, maybe vocals a bit like Morrissey or Alex from, um, oh, what are they called? That's just annoying. Um, they take me out crew. Franz Ferdinand. Oh, there you go. Uh, so I like sort of big baritone um, uh, male vocal. Hopefully it's not with the politics of Morrissey, but yeah, he is, um, he's pretty interesting singer uh boy from edinburgh uh just started to break through his second album came out recently so hamish hawk is uh, a music recommendation for those that are interested cool i'm sure uh, a lot of people will do that i often pick up on the recommendations from uh, our guys and the blogs uh, other podcasts um i do enjoy getting those recommendations uh in the comments got michael ross i hit that like button uh kaiser smash like troops and uh Mahesh great chat guys keep up the brilliant work thanks Mahesh uh and so yes please like and subscribe and 
including this episode, uh, liking the ep- individual uh, broadcast does really help us as well as uh, liking the show overall. Uh, anything else you'd like to see us do, just drop us a comment, drop us a line. We always love to have uh, our uh, listeners involved as much as possible. So uh, please don't feel shy about contacting us or following us in any way on in social media. Uh, in terms of uh, my final thought, I will just kind of say, if there's anyone listening that's in Western Australia and is of a certain vintage, like we three are, there's some chat at the moment about potential breakaway with Masters going away from Football West. So, uh, yeah, have a think about that. Uh, Football West, not exactly covering themselves in glory recently, so let's uh, just, just keep that in mind if you do play Masters football in Western Australia. You heard it here first, and uh, keep keep that in mind for future plans, maybe next season, uh, and maybe even contact me if you're interested in something like that. Okay, uh, other than that, uh, have a good week, and uh, listen in on Tuesday and Wednesday. We do have a game on Wednesday night, which I guess is Thursday morning for us against Hibs, so hopefully we'll get a positive result there. And then we finish up with Trophy Day on Saturday, which is, I believe, 7.30 or 7pm for us uh, in Western Australia. We should make it it's 7 or 7.30, which would make it 9 or 9.30 out east. Uh, so it should be a good Saturday night, trophy day. Hopefully the guys turn up and then it's a Saturday the following week for the cup final. So uh, I'm not overly optimistic for the Hibs game, but let's uh, hopefully we start on that one and then um, get, get get really G'd up for the... The, the kind of final two games, Trophy Day and Cup Final, that's where you normally get your intensity. Oh, sorry, almost forgot. Uh, I starred this comment from earlier. Uh, one of our regular listeners, Northampton Tim, put in the comment, my birthday today, spent this morning in a hospital waiting four hours to see my consultant. Could have had fifth pint by now. So hope you're well, Northampton Tim. Hope there's nothing serious. And uh, happy birthday from all of us here. Happy birthday. Happy oh, birthday. Yeah. Other than that, uh, tune in on Tuesday and Wednesday, and otherwise we'll see you next Monday uh, with us. Thanks all. Sports Social Podcast Network.